Evening all, welcome to another episode of Pyramid Podcast with myself, Murph, uh, Tomo and Lauro. Uh, lots to cover tonight, going to start off by chatting about Harry Kane, uh, latest on his transfer, whether he's going to stay or go. Uh, we're then going to look at a bit more uh, transfer news before drilling down into EFL Roundup from week one and some predictions about uh, winners of those leagues and then start to look ahead to the weekend and the return of the Prem. But first up, how are we boys, Lauro? Yeah, excited, mate. Um, excited to speak about what happened at the weekend and looking forward to the return of the Premier League tomorrow. Um, all I've been doing every hour this week is playing around with my fantasy football team. And it looks completely different to what it did yesterday and the day before that. So I'll be looking forward to uh, six o'clock tomorrow when that deadline's over, to be honest. Yeah, we'll make sure we get a little bit of uh, FPL in for sure. And Tomo, just back from holiday. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, all good. Recharged. Um, to be honest, I'm actually... A lot's been going on in Twitter slash X world lately with Elon Musk. Um and this new Twitter ad revenue stream. So I've actually got a bit of a buzz about sort of work again. Um, it's sort of lighted a fire under me. And obviously the return of the Premier League tomorrow, it's exciting to be honest. I'm, I'm just chatting to you boys off air about the the new Burnley documentary. And um, obviously Vincent Company seems like he comes off like a very impressive individual. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see him go up against City. Um, and obviously then excited, like personally excited to see United face a rudderless Wolves on, on Monday night. So yeah, I'm really excited. Happy days. And before we start, uh, just to call out massive, uh, congratulations, mate, on the, uh, Twitter. What is it? 2 million followers now on Deadline Day Live. Yeah. Yeah. 2 million. There's a big, a big milestone, to be honest. We've been doing it for 10 years. It's been plugging away and. Obviously, the transfer culture over the last couple of years has just gone wild and wild and wild. We've seen how many followers like the likes of Fabrizio Romano's got, but to have two to have two million on that on that page is great. Um, yeah, so thanks. Should we move on to Harry Kane then? Yeah, let's do it straight away. So I know we've uh, all been chatting throughout this throughout the day, as I'm sure most people have on their WhatsApp groups. Uh, latest. We've got not to sound like sound like Sky Sports news where we're the least in the know possible. Uh, is that Kane is turned down uh, a move to Bayern or isn't happy with the terms that he's got from Bayern? Um, and Tomo, I think you tweeted something about a <clears throat> a last minute contract offer for when his contract's done from an unnamed club. Yeah. So when the news broke, obviously this morning that it was David Ornstein who broke the news that that Bayern and Tottenham had agreed the fee. We obviously put that in the in our little WhatsApp group and me and CL, me and Laura basically said, I'd be shocked if he goes. Like, I just, for some reason, I just think, I just can't see it. And then obviously as the days progressed, it sort of turned out that he's leaning more and more towards staying. Um, and it's sort of like, it begs the question, is he, does that make him less ambitious or more ambitious because obviously if he runs his contract down, he'll have the pick of the whole of the world next summer. Um, you're talking United, PSG, probably even Real Madrid, Chelsea definitely with Pochettino, with the Pochettino links, potentially even Man City. If, if for instance, if City win everything this year again, 
and Haaland decides, right, I've done two years in England, I've cracked England, I've done it all at City, now I fancy going to Real Madrid or something like that. I know it's a sort of a long shot, but then he could even go to City. So, I yeah, I think his best bet would be to stay and get closer to Shearer's record and then have have the choice of everything next summer. But and I think I think Laura, you you would agree. I'm not sure about you, Mal. Yeah, um, I don't think Harry Kane moving to Bayern Munich this summer would be a particularly ambitious move. Um, given the context to the situation that he's in. If he had another four years left on his Tottenham deal and Bayern Munich are obviously the only dog in the race that Daniel Levy's happy to do business with, then by all means go. Um, And I'm not trying to play down the significance of winning a Bundesliga, but they've won it 10, 11 years in a row. Um, So they're they're winning trophies by default. Um, So Harry Kane can go there. Um, and win a couple of Bundesligas. But in the meantime, he's missing out on adding to his tally uh, towards the, the Premier League top goal scorer um, accolade that he's working towards. And also the fact that his contract's up next summer. And like you said, he can go anywhere he wants. And I don't think he'll be wanting... And if he wants to go to Bayern Munich next summer, then, then let him. I'm sure they'll still be wanting to take him next summer, but I've got a feeling there's going to be some suitors out there for him come next June, July that he'd much rather go to and I think it will probably be in the Premier League where he'll have more chance of winning a trophy, more chance of getting on well within the Champions League and continuing to add to that um, goal-scoring record which I don't think he's just going to reach if he stays in the Premier League. I think he'll obliterate it and I think that's something very important to him and I think it should be as well. Yeah, I <clears throat> on the fan debate that... Um... Gary Neville and uh, Carragher did. I think Carragher kind of was similarly aligned to that, that the goals would mean more to Harry Kane than Bundesliga. I get the they're normally one of the favourites for the Champions League, but um, he he called out Carragher that basically the goals would mean more. Shearer doesn't want that record to be broken. Shearer, when Shearer was asked about between his Premier League title with Blackburn and the Premier League's all-time top goalscorer record. He said his job was to score goals, which kind of answered that one. Um, I think the people in the worst position now is actually Spurs. Like Daniel Levy's like complete hardball of not not dealing with any other Premier League clubs. Harry Kane's not for sale. He's now a few weeks away from being in the situation where teams can start to approach Harry Kane in January for contract terms for for the summer or having to think, right, we need to make some money and would a club then part with, I don't know, 40, 50 million for Kane just to secure him in January, get him for those few extra months of the season or see off all the competitors who will be offering him contracts. I think Spurs' owner has said that he even needs to be sold or sign a new contract. He's not just running it down. The club can't, can't take that sort of financial loss from him. So I think Spurs are in a bad position, to be honest with you. So, so just to jump in on that one, I actually think if you feel, if you look at it like that, and if it plays out like that, where Tottenham are almost forced to lower their fee or to accept a fee similar to the one that they've accepted for Bayern, to from say a Chelsea or a Man United to sell him this summer, then Kane's played an absolute blinder, hasn't he? Because he's waited and he's kept silent. He didn't didn't go on the overlap like he did last time and say, "Oh, 
yeah, or if 100 million comes in, then yeah, maybe Daniel Levy will look at that. Like, what he's done, he's kept silent, kept his nut down, and basically forced Tottenham's hand. And and Tottenham have basically, they, business-wise, they've had no choice but to accept an offer from, from Bayern. And now Kane can just turn around. And Gary Neville said there's something similar on, on that same overlap um, fan debate. He said, basically, now he's proven that that Tottenham are willing to sell you. Now Kane can say, now you're right, I'm staying here. I'll go for free next summer. And then Tottenham are in a position where they have to accept less for a club that he actually wants to go to. And the two clubs, in my mind, who he wants to go to or who he would go to would be Man United because clearly we need another number nine. Obviously, we've signed Hoyland and, and we can debate whether or not you think United need another striker, but we, I think we definitely do. He's 19 year old, years old. He's raw. United definitely need to sign another one. And then you've got, on the other hand, you've got Chelsea and the Pochettino links, and they've signed that Nicholas Jackson. But other than that, they're trying to get rid of Lukaku. They've obviously got rid of Havertz, who played in that position last year. So those are the two clubs that potentially, in the next few weeks, could come into it and potentially we could see Kane leaving Tottenham this summer still and he could get his wish of staying in the Premier League. Do do you think Chelsea's actually a viable club for Kane given the Tottenham-Chelsea rivalry, Arsenal-Tottenham rivalry? Do you think either of those clubs, if say if either of them put a bid in this summer or it goes to next year where basically he has about 20 different contract offers from clubs, do you think Chelsea and Arsenal would come into his thought process? Do you think he'd go to either of them? So, can I just say, I, I honestly don't think he gives a fuck. Right. <laughs> um, about yeah, what? I don't I don't think he cares about the Tottenham-Chelsea rivalry. And, and also, he can spin it PR-wise and say, well, I could leave for free next summer. Or I could get the club 86 million or 85 million or whatever it might be. So is he doing the club a favour by leaving this summer and going to one of the rivals? Because, I mean, every single club in the Premier League who who can afford Harry Kane are going to be his rivals. So you're basically saying the only club he can go to is Man United or Man City or Liverpool. Well, yeah, Liverpool is one that I thought about. There's no real rivalry there with with, uh, Spurs. They've got you know, they've got Nunes and Gakpo, but I, I mean, as you said, Harry Kane would probably start for any team other, other than City at the minute. If They might not have the money to put a bid in for him now, but if his contract got run down, if United had gone all in on Hodgland and Haaland staying, I think Liverpool could uh, could be one for it. But just on that point, going back to that, Laurie, what what's your thoughts on the Chelsea-Arsenal thing and Harry Kane going to them? To me, Kane seems like quite a moral guy. He's never pushed for a transfer... Um, I'm not so sure that he he'd do that. Well, he's not going to go to Arsenal. Um, I think Sol Campbell's the only ever, ever player to do that, and that didn't go down very well, did it? That's the big no. rivalry there for Tottenham. Chelsea, I can see why they would come into it, but I think one thing to consider, just thinking about Spurs' position in, the, in this, and it does seem like they're up against it a little bit, but a lot can change in a year. And if Harry Kane doesn't go this summer, they've got another year to try and get him to sign a new deal there. I don't think it's 100% that it will leave at all because a lot can change in a year in football. And if we get to the end of next summer and Man United and Chelsea aren't streaks above Spurs or, you know, a good level above them, what's the point in going to either of them? 
Do you know what I mean? It's not like that. It's not like they're but Harry Kane is going to be. That's, that's the risk that Tottenham are playing as well. Like that's that's the positive. If if Ange Postecoglou and Tottenham have a great season, and United and Chelsea don't, then Harry Kane will just sign a new contract, and then you, that's you, what I mean. Yeah, so that's what I mean, and that's maybe on. what Daniel Levy. If he might get on really well, and Foster Coglu, Spurs might finish fourth, and Chelsea and Man United either side of him, and he will look at it and think, "Well, the whole point of leaving Spurs is because I want to win trophies." Two things to consider: one, he wants to stay in the Premier League because he wants to add to his goal scoring tally, and the second one is he wants to win trophies. Now, unless you're going to go to Man City, you ain't guaranteed to win trophies anywhere in England, are you? So, if Tottenham have a really good year of a similar level of Man United and Chelsea, I think there's a good chance at some point in the next 12 months, he could be persuaded to stay at Spurs. Um, talk about PSG or, or Real Madrid or anyone abroad. Uh, my gut feeling all along is he wasn't going to go to Bayern Munich, mainly because, not because the Bundesliga is not com a pe competitive league, but because he'll want to stay in England. Um, so if his choice is Chelsea Man United, my bet would be he'd probably just stay at Tottenham, unless they're absolutely shocking this year and Man United or Chelsea raise their head above the parapet and and look like they're going to win something. Um, but it'll be an interesting one. But I never felt like he was going to leave this summer. Um, and that goal-scoring accolade is a lot bigger than what I think people give it credit for. Because there's lots and lots of players in the past that have won the Premier League that are far and away below the calibre of Harry Kane. But to be the highest goal-scorer in Premier League history, you've got to be a very special player. Um, and I think he'll have his eyes just as much on that as he will winning any silverware. Um, one other question for you boys before we move on. Then um, I've seen that in in France, and we're not we're not going to go into Mbappe because we spoke about him so much on previous pods. But I've seen something which is PSG have basically said to Mbappe, if you run down your contract and leave on a free. It will affect the PSG Academy. There will be redundancies from staff, like all of that sort of thing, laying it on really thick to him. Maybe not quite that level with Spurs, but if Kane ran his contract down and left Spurs on a free rather than getting the club that money, do you think that would tarnish him with the fans in any way? I think... No. So quick, go on. It's, quick, it's completely two different situations in the fact that Kane costs Tottenham nothing in terms of like a transfer fee, like they paid in big wages, obviously. But, and I think the Tottenham fans, like they're clever people. Like they understand that this lad has given them the last, what, is, what has it been? Like eight years in a row of 20 goals a season, 30 goals a season. He's been absolutely world-class for them. Um, he's never sort of, apart from maybe that Gary Neville interview with the overlap, he's never really given them a reason to, sort of be fucked off with, her, with him. And actually, I think most sort of clever, sort of logical Spurs fans wouldn't begrudge him for leaving this summer or next summer for free at all. Because because obviously they've, they've never really been that close to winning the, a, a trophy. No, and like you say, the last seven or eight years, he's earned the right, hasn't he, to go and move to a club. Like, even if you went to Bayern Munich and we're saying, oh, they win it every year anyway, but he's earned the right with the incredible footballer that he's become over the last seven years, to go and sign for a club, even if it's a Bayern Munich or a Man City that win trophies by default. Um, but the argument about Tottenham losing out on money if he runs down his contract free, they could have sold him two years ago. We know Man City were in for him and Daniel Levy didn't want to. So that's not on Harry Kane, that's on the club. And they would have had Harry Kane for two or three more years than they would have done. 
So I don't think that's an argument that can be had against Harry Kane, to be honest with you. No, whatever happens, I think Daniel Levy will be the one who gets the brunt of the shit from the Spurs fans, uh, yeah. basically. Right, OK. Uh, we will round this one up then. Uh, at the... All right, double double question for you, boys. Just two two answers. Where will Harry Kane be playing football when the transfer window has shut this summer? And where will Harry Kane be playing football when the transfer window has shut next yeah. summer? Oh, oh, little connection error there. But yeah, so this summer, I think he'll be playing at Tottenham. And then next summer, I think it'll be Man United. Wow. He'll definitely be playing at Spurs this year. And if I was a betting man, which you boys know I'm not, next season, um, I think he'll probably still be at Spurs. Uh, Okay, I'm going to go Tottenham this summer, agree with that. And then uh, I'm going to go for Liverpool the summer after. I think United, Tomo, we spoke off air about it. I don't think United will then sign a starting number nine when we've just spent seven seventy million on a striker. Well, I can think... we I know we I know we're gonna move on now. We're supposed to move on, but can we just dig into this a little bit more? Yeah, go on then. Go on. We can give, give it a couple more minutes then. Because I think it's absolutely bollocks that United, okay, we've we've spent a lot of money on this Hoysland lad. He's 19. Um but you spend that much money on a 19-year-old because he's going to be your striker for potentially 10 years. But he's not hes not the ready-made guy, clearly. He's, he only scored nine Serie A goals last season. He didn't even play every game. hes hes not He definitely won't be ready now to be a starting Premier League-like striker for a team who has ambitions of winning the Premier League and obviously winning the Champions League as well, cup competitions. So I don't understand in your head and your logic why you don't think Man United would sign Harry Kane even now for 80 million or next summer for free. Well, I I don't think the budget's there for us to do it this summer. And my thinking is, is that I think it would be really, really ludicrous to spend 70 million pounds on a player. Just take the fee. Maybe, Maybe it's just the financial side of it. If he would sign for 20 million, then yeah, maybe I wouldn't be thinking this way, but 70 million on a striker to then say, how many years has Kane got left at the top, right? Let's say we think that because he's not reliant on pace, he's got five years left at the top. So we've signed Hodgland on a five-year contract, I think, with a or four-year with an option for a further year. If we then signed Harry Kane, he'd start for Man United for the next four to five years we'd then have a £70 million centre-forward who doesn't play off the wing, doesn't play in behind, who will sit on the bench in the Prem and would be a cup striker and the odd European guy. Okay, right. So I agree with that, but it's up to this Rasmus Hoyland fella to be just as good, if not better than Harry Kane, to get in the team. Simple as. And as Harry Kane gets older, so in two years' time, He's 32, 33. He won't be playing every single minute of every game like he does. Like, you just, just like logic to fuck. Like, he won't play every single minute. So, and Hoyland, he's 19. So, you think he would probably give the next two years to play 25, 30 games, coming off the bench, maybe sometimes playing off the wing, learning his, his trade, like learning his, his trade off Harry Kane. Surely that sort of benefits everyone. 
I, I can't see it. I think if you have a striker, a world-class striker, your second striker ends up being like a Chupa Moting's the obvious one, like the, the second striker who's good enough to play for a decent club, but doesn't complain that he's not starting. If you to basically be backup striker, then something's gone seriously wrong. Now, obviously it might be that they thought Kane wasn't, wasn't attainable. So they've then decided that we're going to go and spend that money elsewhere. And now if Kane comes back available, they've got a, decide that but I really I can't see that one bit we'll have to agree to disagree <laughs> yeah right let's move on unless anyone's got anything else on Kane nothing real right so from one English Harry going for a uh, a big money move to another so sad times for United Tomo looks like uh, Harry Maguire is going to leave uh, 30 mil so a nice Cool fifty million pound loss on the signing fee, uh, but off to West Ham. Um, I actually personally think a good move for all parties. Uh, get your boys' thoughts on that one. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a good move for all parties. Like Maguire isn't that bad a footballer. Like to he's just got booted in in the last preseason game in Dublin. Uh, he made a mistake for Bill Bow's opening goal. Um, but he played well in the second half, got got an assist for our equaliser. He's just become like a pantomime villain. Sometimes players, like with clubs, it just doesn't marry up, it doesn't match up, and you just become the sort of a victim, a sort of a never-ending cycle of just memes and just social media scrutiny. And like like last season, actually, like he when he played, sometimes he played quite well, and then he would make one tiny little error. And he would get absolutely battered for it, and you yeah. almost feel it gets getting to. It did get to the point, and it has got to the point where you do feel sorry for him. And obviously, Eric Tang Hag doesn't have that much faith in him. Um, case in point, playing Luke Shaw ahead of him in that position. Um, so I do think it's good. It's a good move for all parties. And under David Moyes, you look at West Ham. They play counter-attacking football. They'll play. Edson Alvarez, Thomas Suchek and James Ward-Prowse in centre mid in front of him. He'll have a lot of protection. I actually think he'll be class for them. And and sort of, I'll be happy for him if he has a good season because obviously in England at the Euros in, next summer, I think it's a good move for everyone and clearly it'll become a toxic situation at United. So, yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, I agree with everything you've said there. I've, sometimes you, as a player... Um, as you've just depicted with Harry Maguire, you you pass a point of no return, don't you? Where even if you have a run of good games, as soon as you do one thing, you're a meme again for the next six weeks and everyone's on your back and you're out the team. And um, obviously, man, you've got Varane and, and uh, Lissandro now as well. So it's not easy, easy for him to start regardless. Um, so I think a fresh start for him. Like you said, I think the style of play at David Moyes will suit him down to the ground. He's got something to work towards with the Euros next summer. And he generally plays quite well for England as well. And Southgate likes him. So we all know there's a player there. Um, but I agree. It's just not everything sort of transpired in a way um, against him at Man United. And he definitely needs to move on. And West Ham's a good home for him, I think. Yeah. And go I on, think... Can I just add in, Murph, quickly? Yeah, go on. Because I, I, we, obviously we're giving him a bit of a fair deal there. I do think he didn't help himself sometimes last summer. Um, or last year when he was it last year at the start the England game, the England game against Albania with that with that celebration he scored was yeah. it Albania he scored the head I think it was like I think it was worse I think it was like Faroe Islands or San Marino I actually think it was Andorra 
But because yeah. I think it began with an A. But either way, you score a goal like that, and then you do the whole like "Let me hear you now, haters" celebration. I do think yeah. okay, you're, you're sort of you're sort of inviting the shit on from the social media gang. But but yeah, just go on, Murph. You you. I'm sorry, I did interrupt you there, but I just wanted to point no, that out. No, it's it's a good point. All all I was going to add to that was. Uh, it's about the England shirt, basically. I think he at one stage was like, I'm going to stay at United and fight for my place type thing, a.k.a. I'm on 190 grand a week and I'm absolutely fine here. Thank you. And if you're going to strip me a club captaincy, I'll sit here and run my contract down. Lovely job. But um, I believe that uh, Southgate reached out to him and said about the importance of playing regular time. And I think we might have even spoke about on a uh, previous pod about kind of centre-backs for England. Um, Stone's pretty nailed on, but who the second one would be. Um, and so I, I just think a good move for him. And I've got no doubts that he'll score a thumping header at Old Trafford or at the uh, Olympic Stadium uh, against us, no doubt. Oh, we're, we are terrible at the Olympic Stadium and I can just see it now. Maguire just like rising up against Lissandro Martinez at the back stick or something like that. And just shushing the United fans. But to be fair, and, and United fans, we would probably deserve that because we have given a lot of stick. And, and I don't like the fact that our... I know it was in Dublin, so it wasn't the old Trafford crowd, but they did boo him. And I just think, fuck's sake, come on. Like, he's a professional footballer. He's not trying to make mistakes. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was ever too much booing at old Trafford for him. Like, the odd sort of murmur of it but I don't, yeah I think that's sort of away crowds he got booed in America a lot as well didn't he but I, I think that's kind of away from home crowd too um, and maybe more just watching sound bites of his mistakes on Twitter um, but yeah and then another transfer that's happening and if if uh, Maguire is good in the air and scores from corners and free kicks probably not many better players Lauro to be delivering them uh, Ward Prowse on his way to West Ham as well yeah good signing um, another really obvious signing, isn't it, for West Ham and David Moyes? Um, I was just going to say before, Harry Maguire's 4.5 million on FPL, um, and West Ham love a goal from a set piece. And with War Prowls delivering them, like you've just said, um, that could be a tidy little, probably not differential because everyone will have him in a couple of weeks' time, but a tidy little sign on the FPL. But yeah, I didn't look like Southampton were going to let him go at one point. Um, War Prowls, they've, they've played hardball with Lavia as well, haven't they? But it's, I'm guessing they've got quite a good deal. I don't know what the figures are involved, Teagal, but um, generally speaking, 30, yeah, well, I think that's fair enough, isn't it? I think for James War Prowls, must be 28-odd now. Um, he's been in the England, in and around the England squad a little bit before. You can't really be having a season in the Championship. Be all right if you were 24 um, and still had a, a, a long while left, but it's a short career and you don't want to waste your prime years. Um, and he was quite good for them last year as well. In a poor Southampton side, he actually shone. Um, so, yeah, he needed to get back to the Premier League. And obviously, with £100 million from Declan Rice and uh, another £100 million possibly for Paqueta, great business getting uh, James Ward-Prowse in for £30 million. Yeah, I like... I, I really, really like the the James Ward-Prowse sign-in. Um, the, the sort of... The noise out of West Ham this summer has been that... Moises fell out with the new sporting director, the new German guy. And he, the German guy, sort of wanted the sort of going for the stats model, the cheaper European options. And obviously, Moyes being Moyes wants the British Brexit players. <laughs> and, and, but to be fair, like they've lost, 
they've lost Mark Noble to retirement a year ago and they've just lost Declan Rice two basically probably the two biggest leaders in the dressing room. I believe Aaron Cresswell is on his way out as well. If not, he's already gone. Um, and he's obviously a sort of a Premier League stalwart, West Ham stalwart, one of the leaders of the dressing room. So to replace them with Maguire, who obviously was United captain until a few months ago, James Ward-Prowse, Southampton captain, both leaders, both English, I think is, is a sign that the club have backed Moyes over the new sporting director. Um, and I actually think, even though, obviously, West Ham have been getting slated for not signing anyone, if they get those two over the line, uh, obviously they signed Edson Alvarez today, um, I think they'll be they'll be okay. They do need to get an, a new striker, though. They do, like because obviously they've got Danny Ings, um, Sold Skamaka, Antonio's getting on a bit. I think they need to add another striker, to be honest, but that's just me. So do I. And I mean, I heard that as well about David Moyes not getting on with the new director of football or whoever it is involved um, in charge of recruitment. But you don't play. Yeah, you don't play the cheap European midfielder stats option when everyone knows you've just got 100 mil for Declan Rice. The fans want to see that money spent on players that they know so that they can get excited for a season coming up. Um, And in in James Ward-Prowse and Harry Maguire, um, I'm assuming they'd be quite happy with that. But like you said, they definitely need a striker Um, because Danny Ings doesn't play every week, does he? Antonio looked like he was a little bit past his best last season. Skamaka's gone. Who's in the frame there? Is there anyone linked? No, I've not. I've not seen much at all. West Ham fans are like, we need a goal scorer desperately, but maybe if they sell, so sell they've been linked, yeah, they've been linked with Hugo Etike, um, the youngster from PSG, who, but apparently he wants to stay in France. So, um, mm. yeah, yeah. that would be an interesting one. I, I, maybe they'll just stick Jared Bowen up front. Because they're, they're going to need to play someone there, aren't they? I mean, obviously, if Danny Ings is fit, I guess they'll play him. But it, it felt to me like they weren't too keen on Antonio throughout last season. Um, and Danny Ings is invariably not available, is he? So another good uh, FPO option at seven million. Maybe Jarrod Bowen taking the yeah. reins up from. So another yeah. another West Ham transfer, Snorky, to talk about would obviously be Lucas Paqueta to the Man City. Yeah. Um, I really, really, really rate Lucas Paqueta. I don't think he had a great sort of first six months in England last year. Um, but I think the la- the latter part of the year and certainly in the European run, he was absolutely quality. And obviously he, p- he plays and starts for Brazil. I think it's a great signing, regardless of the money. It's not my money. Um, I think pr- they're obviously overpaying, but then everyone's overpaying. I think he'll be absolutely class for Pep Guardiola. What what do you reckon? Yeah, I, 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 I I agree. I think he I think he looks looks brilliant. Um, I I think when they signed him, as you say, he was a bit quiet. He he played well in the World Cup when he had minutes for for Brazil in that, and then um, finished really strongly. I mean, the price is a stumbling block. We'll come on to Sacedo in a bit as well. This hundred million figure just like just baffles me now. But I suppose. Premier League clubs now don't need to sell. You used to be in the situation where if United came calling with 30 mil for a player or 25 mil for a player, then that was money that you couldn't, couldn't turn down. Clubs now can't really, can't, don't really need to sell. They, they've got the money and they've just got 100 mil for Declan Rice. 
Um, I would say that Dortmund's a club that they'd let one really, really good player each year go, but not a second. I think West Ham might say that we've banked the rice money, give us another year here before you go. Um, And I wonder whether Pep was looking at Paqueta with the thoughts that Bernardo Silva was going to leave, but I believe he's now looking at a new contract. So I'm not so sure that one will happen. Um, But You don't think Paqueta will happen? I, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't know how advanced it is. The last I saw was that City won, were going to bid that, but I, I haven't seen that it's sort of that close. If, if, go on, if go the on. fee is 100 million euros, is that, am I right in saying it's something around that? 101 million euro bid rejected today, apparently, and West Ham won 110 million euros, but both parties will are basically confident it's going to happen. And the player has basically said, yeah, I'm going. I think if you're West Ham and you can sell two players in a summer for 200 million quid, I think you're laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, Do you know I what I mean? They're, I they're not pushing top six. Are they? Or, you know, maybe the aspiration is eventually top six, but they're not competing right at the top end of the table. 200 million pound in the bank. You can go and get War Prowse, Harry Maguire and a striker and still have 100 million left over probably. So I think it's brilliant business for them. And I think Paqueta... Probably a little bit of a reverse of what you just said on Harry Maguire, who will suit playing in maybe a counter-attacking team where teams come on to him a bit more and he can be more of a defender um, and find those balls going forward to the counter-attacking players. I think Paqueta will look better in a City team, won't he, when they've got possession in the final third, getting involved in the little triangles and patterns of play. Um, and he'll be a really, really good player for them. And I do think they need someone like that because I've said before, I think Gundogan... Um, you're losing vital goals there. I mean, I, I know he wasn't top goal scorer every season, but he always scored important goals. And although they brought in Kovacic, who's a good player, he doesn't score goals. Um, so maybe in Kovacic and Paqueta, they can sort of find a happy medium in, in replacing Gundogan this season. But very sensible transfer from both sides. I cannot believe West Ham have rejected 100 million, other than the fact they know that they're going to go up to 110. Well, yeah. I actually think if City turn around to West Ham now and say, no, we're not going to 110, they'll go, OK, 101. Like, yeah, they're, they're, I think they'll say, yes, yeah, 75. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What did they sign him for? Um, well, I think it was substantial. It's like 45, 50. Um, yeah, but I, do, you know, do you know what? Lucas Paquet, he strikes me as the type of bloke who would like walk into training under David Moyes and be asked to like track back and like, and you can picture it at sort of like West Ham training ground, like pissing down cold and just be like, Come on, David. I'm not doing that. Like in Brazilian or in Portuguese, like, <laughs> and and obviously, players want to play under Pep Guardiola. Like, I tell you what, it, it it what will interest interest me is whether or not that affects Calvin Phillips's future. Because obviously, if they're getting Paqueta, then KP's knocked even further down the, the pecking order. Or or do you think KP just plays in that Roger? Uh, I I think that. Uh, KP might have more of a say this season and I saw that Rodri had done a uh, an interview where he basically said that, I think he said he made 60 appearances last year and uh, he was talking about how the minutes are going up in each game and how he can't do that for the next three to four years and he's told Pep that. So whether that means Kovacic can sit in front of the back four every so often, I'm not sure but I think KP, if he's had a good pre-season, you know refocus what he wants to do um and is looking sharp. I think he'll get more minutes this year. I, I, I think he will get. And also remember some players at City, 
don't get a look in in the first season and then explode on the second. So uh, I wouldn't write KP off yet because uh, quality player just a little bit beneath McTominay. Right, boys, we need to we need to move on anyway. Uh, we'll obviously track the Paqueta one again. Another player being talked about a hundred million, uh, Moise Sacedo. Um, so I think last year was told he couldn't leave, but give us till the summer and we'll let you go. And now Chelsea are getting up towards a hundred million, if not quite there yet. And Brighton uh, aren't willing to to deal with any less money than that. Uh, thoughts on that transfer and where you think he'll uh, he'll end up by the end of the summer? So my initial thoughts on that Caicedo one, for me, like the fact that he come out and basically said that like he loved his time at Brighton and he wanted to leave in, at the end of January, for then, for then him and his agent to sit down a couple of weeks later after Brighton didn't sell him to sign a new five-year deal, unless there's a clause in that contract that says if someone hits 100 million, we're like, you know, like the Jack Grealish thing, where he signed a new contract with Villa and they put a clause in the contract that said 100 million or 105 million, whatever it was, then like it's, you've got to go. Unless there's a clause in the Caicedo contract, which hasn't been reported at all, it's the, it's the stupidest thing he's ever done. So for the, for the sake of six months of extra 50 grand a week, he's now locked, he's, he's locked himself into getting schnutted at staying, for staying at Brighton. Um, Obviously, I do think he'll probably end up going, whether it would be Liverpool or Chelsea. Um, he sounds like he'll have the pick of the two. But and actually I think he is better than Rice. Um Wow. Yeah, wow. I think I think he's class. Wow. He's he's a couple years younger. Um <laughs> I think he's an absolute monster, honestly. I wasn't expecting that. No, <laughs> either. Laurie, bring you <laughs> in on that, please. I'm taking aback on that. I am taking aback on that. I think we'll just um I, I think I think I say that we'll go to Chelsea and Lavi will go to Liverpool. I think um, that both are using each other as like a bit of a stalking horse for the other one and trying to get deals done. But I think Sasada will go to Chelsea and, and Lavi will go to Liverpool. Uh, and I think they're both pretty decent signings. But what have you seen, Tigo, um, from Sasada uh, that that makes you think that he's a better caliber of footballer? than Declan Rice. <laughs> I just think he's an absolute monster. And then he played, he had a little stint at right back last last year towards the end of last season because he was filling in. And I thought he was absolutely class there as well. And every single time I watched him, like, and uh, basically Brighton are using the, the Declan Rice fee as a as a way of getting 100 million, aren't they? They're basically saying, no, we think De like Caicedo is just as good as Declan Rice. So pay that money or or don't get him. And I, I, I just think Caicedo's got a higher ceiling than Declan Rice, but but obviously it's it's Pickham really. They're both great players. Um, obviously, I, I really like Declan Rice. I think he's going to be a good signing. But you're going to have to do a poll, I think, on on Football Tweet or on Deadline Day Live <laughs> well, on Declan you, Rice or Caicedo. Yeah, I tell what? you what. Once Caicedo goes, because I think he will eventually go to whoever, probably Chelsea. You're right. I'll put a little poll and say, look, who was the who would you rather have signed for 100 million? Because it will be round about the same mm -hmm. figures, won't that, it? That's that's maybe a bit more open to interpretation to your point. Your point was Sasedo's better than Declan Rice. People could read that as a, who's got a higher ceiling, he's a bit younger, Sasedo. It needs to be who's the better footballer. Yeah, yeah. All right, and, okay. So on Football Tweet, I'll do a poll saying who's the better footballer. 
And then on deadline day live, I'll say who was the better transfer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Rice will mop up both um, quite comprehensively. But Declan, if you are listening, uh, the only thing holding you back from being a world world class uh, defensive mid is a uh, stint at right back. So uh, yeah, if you can get that on the CV, that would be much appreciated. Um, Laurie touched on Lavia uh, to Liverpool. They're nitpicking a bit on money. I think they've gone up to forty seven million, and it's fifty uh, that Southampton are wanting. Jamie Carragher not happy. They've obviously had some midfielders leave. I've seen Thiago's been linked again with um, with Saudi today. Uh, not like Liverpool to be like that in the transfer window. Normally got their dealings done. Um, I think we're all agreed Lavia will probably happen. Um, but just general thoughts on Liverpool and, and what their season's going to look like. Um, well, they need a midfielder, don't they? Uh, that that's my. I was looking at um, the the. The top six predictions we did the other day, um, and then I started to think to myself, who is Liverpool's midfield? Um, who, who? I mean, what's the engine room looking like at the minute? I know they've signed McAllister, Jones, Thiago, Jones, McAllister, uh, Shabozhlai. Um, yeah. Is it what? What? what where does he play? Isn't he a winger? No, well, no, he's he's more like you know, like the De Bruyne position. What, wherever he wants, basically. Well, yeah, yeah, kind of like so. If if they're going to play similar to Man City in the fact that obviously Trent will tuck in, um, I just think I think that Shabozlai will play in that position. I think McAllister will play in the Gundogan position, and then I mean Curtis Jones played six, he's played six once, but he, I think he played false nine for England in the under twenty ones. Um, Tomo, who's the who's the young Spanish lad who was playing for them last year? Yeah, Stefan Betech. Bet- yeah. Bet- he's their best midfielder. Yeah, he he's looked- their best midfielder. They're not getting anywhere. Near- I don't think they're going to be in the top four with a midfield of... Uh, apologies to the lad, not sure how to pronounce his name. Curtis Jones and Alexis McAllister. No. Yeah, and, and then if you think about it, I think this is why they're amenaring about paying the full fee for Lavia. Is because they've got that Stefan lad who's who's I think he's a year younger than Lavia, um, and they they obviously don't think that he's w- like worth spending fifty million on when when they've got that lad already at the club. But I know, but they've offered forty seven. Like if you're yes, Lavia, you would just be sat there going, "I'm I could have been in training two weeks ago, ready to start in the prem." Yeah. Like, I just don't. I, I, Liverpool don't do that. They've not. They've not done that in the transfer market. I've watched on as United, and they just get deals done, and suddenly a player is announced. So if you remember how quickly the Nunes transfer happened, from he's going to United to suddenly Liverpool announcing him. I don't. Did you see Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher have a little back and forth the other day, and Carragher said something, and I don't know the ins and outs of this, but I think they've had two or three different head of recruitment or director of football's come in the last year or so and now it's Klopp's mate or something like that and everything's oh, feeling okay. a little bit less. They've had they've um, had three sporting directors in 18 months and yeah. um and basically the one who, who the one who's doing the transfers this summer is it's almost like on a temporary thing so it's just for this summer. But there so, you go then. Yeah, but, I mean, if you, get, if you get a summer temp in to do your transfers, how are you getting it signed off in the boardroom that he's the right person? Like, oh, yeah, he's also, in, for, he's in for six like, weeks. I do think Liverpool's hand has sort of looked a slightly poorer in the sense that, well, they've sold Fabinho and they've sold Jordan Henderson. Something at the summer, I think, they they probably didn't plan for. But when you look at the transfers, £40 million 
Euros for Fabinho, who looked shot to bits last year, and Jordan Henderson, 12 million, who's 33, doesn't look as shot to bits as Fabinho, but obviously he's 33. So they probably needed two midfield two midfielders anyway. So they got McAllister and Shabozlai. And now they've sold those two players. It makes it look, they do make it look like a little bit lighter than it would. But if they get one and maybe one other, they'll be, I, I think they'd be fine. And uh, you've seen them in, I've seen them in preseason. They like, their front four, front five look electric. Like, so they'll be, they'll be exciting to watch this year. Um, yeah. But yeah. It'll be exciting to watch, but you've got to think about all the other teams. Like, it, they might be all right, but, I think Man United, to be fair, are looking really strong in midfield now, aren't they? Uh, in terms of their start, if you look at Casemiro, Mount and Fernandez with Ericsson to come in, OK, if they lose McTominay and Fred, you might want to sign someone else. Um, Tottenham have signed James Madison. Basumo, they're going to hope, is a better player this year. Benzema coming back from injury. Arsenal, Man City. Liverpool are going to want to be top four. Um, and I do think they are going to need that extra... Fifty million pound midfielder, who I think will be Lavia, um, to yeah. add to the depth of their squad at the very least. And I think on the Liverpool point as well, Tomo. Um, obviously, we we all know some Liverpool fans, but but speaking to to a mate of mine about it, he he's worried about them defensively as well. Um, apparently, Andy Robertson's sort of not looking like Andy Robertson that we've all known for the last sort of five years, and maybe that started to show last season. Um, they said they're a, a Van Dyke or Canate injury away from Matty or uh, Joe Gomez, and then Trent sort of right back, but playing centre mid ten when he wants to, which is all well and good, you know, when England are playing Minos and he's having a good game. But actually, I, I think that Liverpool will concede a lot of goals this year. Um, they've obviously got firepower up front, but I think they'll be in high scoring games and lose some games that that they shouldn't. So I yeah, be interesting. Right. Yeah, me, oh God, yeah. I mean, me too. But uh, it would be really, really interesting to see. Although I do think I had them in my top four of my prediction when we did it. Uh, so might have to revisit that. <laughs> right, final final transfer uh, to speak about. Um, and Lauro, probably come to you on this one uh, before we move on to uh, to a bit on the EFL. Uh, Chelsea linked with another midfielder. In fact, I think it's done now. I think we've even got the Fabrizio. Here we go. Uh, Tyler Adams going to Chelsea for around... 20 mil um you obviously got to see as much of him as you could last year uh for Leeds thoughts on that transfer whether you think he's at that level um if you're happy with 20 mil just a bit of a a summary on that one um I don't really care about the money too much 20 but 20 million's fine I think you'd have been a really good sign in for Everton or Fulham or Wolves or someone like that um Chelsea, I think, is a really odd one because Tyler Adams is a very good little disruptive midfielder, puts himself about, breaks up, play, etc., etc. But I think to play for someone like Chelsea, I mean, it feels like he's going in as like the Kante replacement almost. Um, So to go in at a club like that, I think you've got to have a little bit more quality. And he's not, from what I've seen, um, the best player on the ball. So when when I first heard that, I thought they were using that as a sort of way to say to Brighton, oh, look, we've moved on to other targets. But it sounds like they're just signing him anyway. Um, so I think it's a weird signing. I think he's a Premier League player. I'm fine with him leaving Leeds. Um, interesting contrasts um, between Leeds and Southampton. Southampton 
playing hardball with their players and making sure they get every penny they can out of them and Leeds um, reaping what they sow with all the ridiculous contracts that they signed all their players on last year with Victor Orta. We've already had about five or six players go out on loan that we've just had to let go. We've got Willie Nonto refusing to play. We've got Tyler Adams having medicals at Chelsea with a £20 million release clause. Um, Daniel Farger had a press conference today and just said, look, this is something that we're going to have to learn from because we're losing all of our players and we, we haven't got any control whatsoever. And you look at Southampton and they've just said, no, we're not doing anything unless you come up to a value that we're happy with. So um, interesting contrast. But yeah, I mean, I'd love it if Tyler Adams went to Chelsea and was a really good player and they need bodies in midfield. But peculiar one that for me. I thought he would have been a good signing for like, like I said, like an Everton or someone like that. What do you think? I fucking hate it. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. Like I just think Chelsea just are like the fucking graveyard for good Premier League players who just it just remind it reminds me of like a Ross Barkley or or Danny Drinkwater players who should, who obviously are going to get a good wage. The money, as in the the fee, obviously it can't be helped. It's a release clause. Um, but that makes it even weirder for me is why haven't any, like like you say, Everton just come in with 20 million? And then yeah. you say to yeah. him, like, well, yeah, obviously you're going to play every game. Like, I, I don't know. I, I I just hate it. I don't think he'll play that much, especially if they get Caicedo. Yeah. I, was, I was with you. I thought that they were using the Tyler Adams interest and Fabrizio Romano sort of stories as a sort of smokescreen to then for Brighton to say, oh, OK, we'll, we'll accept 85 million. Um, yeah. And presumably, if, if, if Chelsea sign Caicedo, it's going to be Caicedo, Enzo, and maybe more of a forward-thinking midfielder like uh, Conor Gallagher. Not players that are particularly known for the for being out injured all the time. I don't think Tyler Adams is getting going to get an awful lot of games at Chelsea, other than the Carabao Cup and maybe FA Cup. Not to be no, disrespectful to those competitions. No, yeah, but... no Europe for him either. Um Tommy, just on your point there about, I, I don't like it either, but you you said about uh, Ross Barkley and Danny Drinkwater and it being a graveyard. I think it was they, they were like quality players that we thought were going to go on and, you know, kick on again from there. I just, I didn't really, I know Tyler Adams came, you know, well respected. Beat it up last year. Um, I know, I know Leeds obviously went down, but he was obviously a part of that. He was brought into to make sure that didn't happen. Um, so hang on a minute. So, so, so you think when Danny Drinkwater made that transfer, you really think that he would kick on? No, I thought he'd be. I thought he'd be decent though. Like I thought he was going to be brought in to play for Chelsea. He, I, what, I, he, I just, just thought he wouldn't prem? get a sniff. I did. I think he's a really good prem player. I just thought he wouldn't get a sniff at Chelsea because there was players. There was four better centre mids than him at the time, and and it was sort of similar with Ross Barkley. And I just think it's similar with Tyler Adams. I think he's a really good player. Um, obviously, Loro's seen him play way more than me. I thought he was really good in the World Cup. Um, but uh, he's just, it's just the fact that he's a very, I'll say, similar player. But he does the job that you're looking for from Caicedo or Enzo Fernandez. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just a very peculiar signing. Um and I would have liked to have seen him gone to a better team. But like Murph pointed out, he is going to a mid-table team, I suppose. No, Europe and yeah. Chelsea finished about 10th or 12th last year, didn't they? So maybe it is the right level. Cool. Right, we'll see how that one goes as well. I'm sure we'll track him through the season. If my shouts are anything to go by, he'll, he'll be starting and take them to top four. But that's uh, that's a different matter. Uh, 
we're going to move on to EFL now, chap. So while we're on Leeds, Laura spoke about Tyler Adams going out. Um, we'll come on to the result of the weekend and outlook for them. But some business going in as well. How's it looking for getting players through the door at Leeds? Uh, mad as a box of frogs as ever at Leeds. We had, I think we're just, I don't know, maybe since we've been doing this podcast, I think we're about to announce Joe Rodon on a season-long loan. And we needed that because Liam Cooper got injured at the weekend and he's out for eight weeks and we needed to cover there anyway. Um, so I'm really pleased with that sign-in. Um, we had Max Aaron's doing a medical on Tuesday or yesterday, I think. And um, he ended up storming out of it and going down to Bournemouth to sign, which was completely ridiculous. Um we're linked with a couple of good players, but I don't really want to speak about them until we get them. I'd, I'd love to sign Gustavo Hamer from um, from Coventry. I'd love to sign Joel Pirro from Swansea. We need a striker. We need a midfielder. We need, um, I mean, Max Aarons is a right back, but we need a left back desperately, I'd say. So August is always a weird month, isn't it? When, when you've come down from the Premier League and you've got a, a load of players that want to play at a higher level and you've got to try and recruit. Um, with regards to the result of the weekend, I was actually really pleased with the way we played. We drew two all against Cardiff, which isn't a particularly decent result. But um, I thought we showed signs of having a good little identity under Daniel Farker. Players wanted to be there. They ran a lot. Um, they weren't mindless with the way they attacked. We weren't just lumping it into the box and letting Cardiff's big centre half swallow it up. We were playing sort of intricate patterns of playing in and around the box, which is what you need to do when you've got four or five foot nothing wingers as your attack. So I was pleased with Leeds' start of the weekend, to be honest with you. Not necessarily the result, but um, I thought the performance bodes well for things to come. And I just think we need to navigate our way through August, get rid of the players that don't want to be there, hopefully reinvest that money um, into a couple of good quality signings. And I think we'll be a force again this year. Cool. And then the other, other two... Uh, relegated teams. I think we spoke about who, you know, all had new managers, all relegated, who we who we thought would do well, who wouldn't. Um, I, I thought that Southampton might struggle uh, under Russell Martin. I thought didn't think he'd be given enough time to implement his style of play, but they got off to a good start. Um, a tricky place to go on on Friday. Got all three. Um, good result for them, and then Leicester, same scoreline as well, turned it around against. Uh, against Coventry in one two one as well. So, um, thoughts on their performances? Yeah, um, but both were decent. I thought Southampton were quite good. But I, I do think, I mean, War Prowse played. Um, and obviously, they're going to lose him. And they're probably going to lose Lavia. And I was of similar mindset to you that Russell Martin may struggle when a couple of those players go. Um, he's got to recruit. And he's got to implement that style of play. And he ain't got a long time to do it. And needs to win games. I don't think they're particularly out of the woods, but that's a good result. But Sheffield Wednesday, I've got going down. So, um, I mean, they're all tough places to go in the championship, aren't they? But I, I think there'll be sterner tests ahead for them. Um, Leicester, Kin and Dewsbury Hall was absolutely unbelievable for them. Coventry are a really, really good side in the championship. And um, Leicester, I don't think were brilliant. And I think Coventry had the had their chances and had their their phases in that game where they could have gone on and done something. But um, Dewsbury Hall looked like a, a very, very, very good championship player. And if he stays at Leicester, um, he's going to be a very difficult player to contain. Yeah, he's too good for that league, isn't he? He's... Yeah, I mean, he, he looked like um, he, he quite liked being that, I don't want to say big fish in a small pond, but like being like the known as one of the best players in the league. He looked like Madison's gone, Barnes has gone, right, 
everyone's thinking about me being the best player now, and it showed. Um, he scored a couple of great goals, good um, arrived on the end of a cross to head home, and a really good left footed finish into the top corner as well. Could have had a couple more, to be honest with you. So he's a really good player. Um, but looked a little bit shaky. I mean, they started Vestergaard and Welt Faze at the back. A little bit shaky. Ellis Sims and Matt Godden got quite in quite a few times there. So I'm not um, I'm not overly convinced with Leicester. But did, obviously, um, they've got good players. Nora, huh? How did Hamer look? Because he obviously he was class for Coventry last year. Yeah, Hamer's, one of the, Hamer's probably the best midfielder in the league, I would yeah. say. And they, Coventry were 1-0 up, I think. Yeah, and then they bought yeah. him off, and Leicester scored twice. So <laughs> read into that what you will. But Gus Hamer's brilliant. I want Leeds to sign him. Um, when he first came to Coventry, I th- I thought he was more of like a ball winning type midfielder. But it just seems like Mark Robbins has said to him, "Look, you're amazing. Just go and do whatever you want." He plays four, six, eight, and ten, like we spoke about in the past. All of those positions, and he does it well. So good player. Um, Coventry, a good team, and if they keep him. They'll be up there again this year. Yeah, and Laura, I think we we spoke about at the time the Coventry brought a uh, American winger slash striker off the bench. Hadji Wright showed a turn of pace and got in. I think it was an yeah. unbelievable save in the end from the Leicester keeper to um to I think keep them two one up. I think we'd gone to two all. Guy who's come over from Turkey, he looked electric. So be interested to see see how he goes as well. Um, right. So and then other results. So uh, Sheffield Wednesday, we obviously spoke about uh, lost against Southampton, but the other promoted sides, I think both won. Plymouth got a good result at home to uh, Huddersfield and Ipswich won away at Sunderland, which is obviously a, a massive result. And me and Tom have spoke about kind of keeping an eye on uh, on Ipswich with the United links with McKenna as boss there. But both of them look like they're have got off to good starts and you think equipped for championship life? Yeah, definitely. For two different reasons. I think Ipswich have stumbled across a manager there who's very, very good. And I don't think they've lost since like February or something stupid like that. I fancy them. Sunderland are another good side in that league. Not an easy place to go, the stadium of light. Um, play good football. They were hanging on towards the... I watched the game um, instead of watching the Community Shield. Um, they were hanging on towards the end. There was about 25 minutes of added time which is a new thing now isn't it um they were down to 10 men as well i think i know Sunderland were down to 10 men but they were dominating um and were knocking at the door but they held on scored two good away performance scored two decent goals and um yeah good start for them and plymouth a little bit different but just sort of riding that crest of a wave i think it looked like a really good place to be at at home park on saturday um huddersfield had one of the highest expected goals in the league i think um, so they'll probably feel unlucky not to get something there. But yeah, I think a couple of good new sign. Well, I say good new signings. Morgan Wirtko was there last year. He scored that. Um, Bally Mumba, is it, that they signed from Norwich? He looks like an unbelievable player. Electric, scored a brilliant goal. Probably goal of the weekend. So Plymouth are looking good. Um, Ipswich are looking good. Sheffield Wednesday are the ones that I would be concerned with. One thing to look out for with Huddersfield was Warnock said, he made a comment in his... Um, post-match interview is basically like um, I'm st- I am stayed at the club because I'm doing the owner a favour. And mm. I just thought after one game, that feels a little bit like Warnock sort of sowing the seeds to already like sort of pack up and leave after a month or two. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But you just, you just always sort of re- like listen 
carefully to people like Warnock because they do. He, he's been around the block a lot of times. He knows what he's doing and done it. So if if he's if he's saying something like that in his post match interview after one game, it does make me think maybe that is what he's feeling. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I I saw, if not that interview, a very similar one where he was like, oh, you know, I thought I'd be in the stands, not here sort of managing. And it was almost like a bit of a laugh for him, a bit of a competition sort of when they're like, yeah, we'll give it a good crack. But, you know, I, I think he'll need to sort that out fairly quickly. Although uh, we got a friend who, who went to the game who's a, uh, a mad terrier and he said that at one all Huddersfield had chances uh, to, to go and win that and then if they'd won that we'd be talking about the job Warnock did last year and how, how good he is and as long as Neil Warnock's at that football club they won't be getting relegated or everything that he said like you say he's been around the block he knows what he's saying um, he's probably just taking a bit of pressure off himself they've got beat 3-1 at newly promoted Plymouth but they were quite they were actually quite good I think and I think he said that as well in his, in his post-match interview that I saw on whatever the highlight show was so um, as long as he's there They'll be all right. Great stuff. And then just to round up of the other championship results, uh, Watford uh, destroyed QPR 4-0. I think it was 4-0 at halftime, actually. And then they kind of took their foot off the gas there. Um, good win for Norwich at home to Hull. Millwall got a great result away at Middlesbrough. Um, not the start Michael Carrick would have wanted. Uh, Blackburn scored twice in about 30 seconds to beat West Brom, get off to a good start. And then... Uh, my tip to struggle this year in the championship and go down Stoke uh, absolutely destroyed Rotherham and Loro, I think, were uh, the plaudits were that they played unbelievably in that game as well. Yeah, I mean, you need to have a look on transfer market and have a look at the signings that Stoke have made before you tip them to go down. Um, they've brought in some really good players. I mean, a lot of these games I've only seen the highlights of, but I was going to say, I think Stoke looked very good. Watford have got... Um, it's not easy being a manager at Watford, is it? But they've got a, a manager that I rate. He was a... But do you remember a couple of years ago, all of a sudden, Barnsley turned into, like, prime Brazil. Um, and they made the playoffs. They had big Daldica up front. And everyone was like, oh, right, this is how Barnsley play, is it? And no one knew what to do. They ended up getting to the playoffs. I think they got knocked out to Swansea. But they, then he came in at West Brom either last year or the year before, and it didn't work out. But... Um, I think Watford are a good bet to be up there in this league this year as well. Um, Stoke, like you've just said, I don't think will be anywhere near the bottom. They've signed Wesley, actually, from Villa. Do you remember him? Big lad up front. Hasn't played for a couple of years, but he's in there. They've also taken McNally that Burnley loaned up to Coventry last year. Good centre-back. Um, I, I think I think Stoke are actually another team that will probably be in and amongst it come the end of the season, maybe for those um, lower playoff positions. But yeah, I don't think the championship was too dissimilar to what a lot of people would have expected. Not too many shock results. Good stuff. And look ahead to the weekend. Um, won't go through all the fixtures, but uh, lunchtime kickoff, Coventry Middlesbrough, two teams who were up there last year, both obviously... Uh, lost on their opening game, they'll want to uh, they want to turn that around. Uh, Dirty Lee to go away to Birmingham. Loro be looking for three points there, uh, I guess. Leicester away at Huddersfield, uh, Sunderland at Preston, Southampton host Norwich, and what will be a, an interesting game uh, to get a real gauge on Plymouth as they go away to Watford, who obviously uh, we've just spoken about. So yeah, we'll see how those results go, and obviously uh, a pick up on it on on next week's pod, but. Uh, you mentioned Barnsley, Loro uh, there, and we'll move on to League One. Uh, I think they scored the most goals from last weekend, unless anyone got eight, but a 7-0 home demolition for them of Port Vale. 
uh, team you expect yeah. to be up there. Well, there's no point us talking about League One, is there, Murph? Because when we were going to do a prediction show before Tigal went on holiday, we were both saying, right, we need to downplay Barnsley's chances because they've lost their manager, who was the best thing about the club. We were saying Derby are going to win the league and we were going <laughs> to say Manning ball at Oxford was going to be unplayable. Um, Barnsley won 7-0. I think a record opening day win for a long, long time, and um, Oxford and Derby lost. So yeah, League One was on spice. What can we say? We got that horribly wrong, didn't we? Yeah, but massive result for Wigan at Derby uh, really yeah. helped them to climb up the table. Oh wait, they are now on minus five points, but they could be back on level parity with some teams in a couple of weeks if they pick up results like that. Um, I watched it. I guess it would have been their second string, but watched a bit of them against. Uh, Wrexham in the week but be interesting to see how they go uh, wins for Peterborough Peterborough won at Reading um, I think Reading again got a decent result in the Carabao Cup but um, they've had some financial issues with players getting registered I think Robbie Savage's son's finally signed there but um, a team that, that some are linking to struggle um, as you said Derby lost uh, wins for Barnsley so and Bolton won as well another team who are up there um, one of my tips actually was going to be Charlton to do well, um, which I know you say is hindsight, but they beat Leighton Orient. They've signed uh, Alfie May. Alfie May, yeah. Who was, uh, obviously scored goals at Cheltenham, like I think over 20 for Cheltenham. Um, Charlton hopefully do well there. But yeah, that was a weird week for them in League One. Uh, on to League Two then, and a bit of a, again, the teams that in our preview show we were going to talk about Wrexham, Notts County, we were going to talk up how strong non-league was and how there should be more promotions from uh, from National League up to League Two because of not much difference. But uh, I think both lost and both shipped. Was it five goals each, Laura? Yeah, I, I don't think more teams coming up from National League because there's not much difference. I think that's what Wrexham and Notts County fans would have learned on Saturday. I mean, Wrexham had a tough game. MK Dons and... Uh, um, Graham Alexander, they're going to be a good side. They've got some good players there. And Wrexham do that. If they lose, they normally lose 4-3, 5-3, three, three, and if they win, quite similar. But Notts County losing to Sutton 5-1. Um, I, I think like, I follow a couple of guys on on Twitter that are big sort of Notts County fanatics. Um, I mean, they started David McGoldrick up front. I think it was pretty much a full 11 for them. Um, and to go to Sutton and ship five, I think will be a little bit of a reality check for them. Having said that, I do think Notts County and Wrexham will still be up there come the end of the season, but not necessarily automatic. Um, the two teams I actually think will be first and second are Stockport and Gillingham, who I think played each other at the weekend and Gillingham won. So, listen, that's a tough league. It's not just Wrexham, Notts County. You've got Stockport, you've got Gillingham, you've got MK Dons, you've still got Salford with the Class 92, you've still got Mark Hughes at Bradford. So, very competitive league. Lots of money in that league now. Some good players getting attracted to it. And, um, yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see how that league unfolds. It's going to be a lot of shock weekends, I think. But, yeah, I mean, for those two to concede 10, big reality check. Yeah, the, the only thing I got in defence for Notts County, which, you know, maybe still shouldn't ship five, but they conceded early and then they were down to 10 men after 15 minutes. So, um, McGoldrick yeah. get a goal as well, so so good for him. Um, as you say, Salford Salford got a good result. Fancy them to be up there. And I think uh, I think if I remember rightly, you had a little shout about you know with League Two, there's always someone to just look out for. And you know you quite liked Warsaw at forty to one. Uh, I'm I not sure them out of nowhere. 
I'm not sure their two-one loss at Morecambe was uh, was in the script, but uh, plenty of games left for for them to turn it round. Um, and then moving into non-league, so uh, I think league favourites Chesterfield uh, got off to a, a good start. One, I think they actually had um, the highest xG across the leagues um, for for the uh, for the weekend, and they they got a good result. Um, so it'd be interesting to to get your thoughts on them and any other teams you you like the look of in in National League. Well, only just they won four three against Dorking at home with a last minute goal from Joe Quigley, who you might remember that we've seen at Hewish Park a few, a few times over the years. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> another league that's very difficult to call, but I have to say, Southend United, who were in all sorts of bother um, financially. People are putting HMRC as their club crest when they're talking about them. They've got about 12 players. They welcomed Oldham Athletic, who are heavily fancied and probably who I would fancy to be in the top two this year to Roots Hall at the weekend and absolutely thumped them 4-0. So fair play to them. Fair play to um, their manager. I think his name's Kevin Mayer. Um, brilliant to see. And hopefully they can get their, their issues sorted out. And um, unfortunately, Matt Uggler's York lost 2-1 at Weldstone. So, um, yeah, that's very disappointing to see because they've spent quite a lot of money. Yeah, a real shame for for York and uh, for Uggler. Yeah, interesting. Well, I think uh, I think your brother, actually, uh, Lauro, um, spoke about Oldham going in everyone's ackers with the signing of James Norwood. Um, oh, what a signing that is, by the way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, not the start they were looking for. Again, they went down to 10 men, but I think... Yeah, yeah, it was 1-0, but that was in the second half. But, you know, 4-0 to Southend, great result for them. Again, uh, be a really interesting league this year. Um, not got that kind of Wrexham story, Yeovil one in it. So a bit a bit less of a uh, an interest for, for myself personally, but um, be a fascinating league all the same. And then we will touch on it because I know you made the couple hundred mile round trip. Uh, we were backing them to score four or five, get off the mark in style. Um, I think talks in group chats about what prices would be for Invincible season after after we went and watched them beat Newport. But a uh, a bit of a jolt of reality for Yeovil, who you went and watched at Hemel Hempstead. But uh, I know that you weren't too disheartened with, uh, with with the performance overall. Four hours on a coach from the Bell Inn in Yeovil to Hemel Hempstead on a miserable Saturday morning where a quarter of the journey was spent driving up the hard shoulder because the windscreen wipers and the demister had broke on the coach to stand in Hemel Hempstead's away end and watch us lose 1-0. And the man of the match was Montel McKenzie, who recently left the Love Island Villa about four weeks ago, um, was not what I had in mind. Having said that, this is football. These things happen. It was a 3 or 4G pitch, whatever they call it. It was a horrible um, surface, I thought. Not making any excuses. Hemel Hempstead did what they, they had to do on the day. We didn't turn up. Um, just one of those to write off. And now we've got four home games where we'll be looking to put it right and hopefully accumulate some points. But good news is Torquay didn't win either. They were 2-0 up at Dover and and uh, let the points slip away there and only went home with one. So... All is not lost, but yeah, that certainly wasn't in the script um, and we didn't play particularly well. No, I am. Uh, I've actually injured myself, so I won't be able to 
turnout for for my side on Saturday, uh, the mighty Sherborne Town, little plug for them. Uh, they go to Hamble Club in Southampton, so good luck, boys, but I won't be able to make that trip. So I'm going to be able to come in and get up Hewish Park, live band on behind the Thatcher stand, hopefully some blazing, St Albans away, massive, massive game, and three points and some goals, please. Right, uh, Tomo, if you want to come back from your brew, mate, we're done with uh, with Football League and non-league. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll move back onto the Premier League, shall we, and, and start to have a look uh, at the fixtures that are coming out, and we'll uh, we'll touch on some, some FPL as well. So, Obviously, you boys said you've started watching the Burnley documentary. I'm yet to start, but will be. Um, Premier League's back tomorrow. Obviously, everyone's excited for that. Starts with uh, Master versus Apprentice, Guardiola v Company, Burnley v City. Tomo, bring you in. Uh, thoughts on that fixture and just general excitement about the Prem being back? Yeah, well, obviously, um, Burnley promoted Company going... Um playing against his old side. I'd be really interested to see company ball against Guardiola ball. Um, but you just know basically City are going to score after one minute, Haaland sort of tap in and then, do you know what I mean? We're going to watch, we're just going to watch it like City absolutely dominate for 90 minutes. But all the same, there is some good fixtures this weekend. Um, I'm particularly looking forward to Chelsea-Liverpool. I think that'll be a really interesting game in a sense, just to see where Pochettino's got those players and and how Klopp will line up with his midfield, to be honest. And and um and obviously being a Man United fan, excited to see United um absolutely twat wolves on Monday. Um yeah, but yeah, exciting. I'm I'm ready to go. Um just a quick one on, on the FBL. I made I I really, really like Morgan Gibbs White this this year. I know Forrest haven't made as many signings um, this year, but I just think Morgan Gibbs-White is going to be absolutely class. Six million on, on FPL. Um, will basically play as part of their front three. Um, so I, I like the look of him, although they have got a sort of difficult couple of games, obviously playing Arsenal away on the opening fixture. But yeah, I like Morgan Gibbs-White. Well, I'll be looking out to see if he's in your team then when they all get released tomorrow, T-Girl. Yeah, Morgan um, Gibbs White is not in my team just yet. <laughs> oh right, so you don't like him that much then? Well, I, if you look at their fixtures, they've got they've got Arsenal away, and then they've got um, a couple of the other top six sides in the first four games. So I was looking to yeah. bring them in after that. Fair enough. Can I just say on the Burnley Manchester City fixture tomorrow, what that reminds me of is three years ago. Leeds played Liverpool on the first game of the season. We had just won the league, and Liverpool had just won the league. Um. And I see um, some parallels with that because Burnley aren't, you've got to remember, it ain't Sean Dyche's Burnley anymore. It's not Burnley's, you know, turning up and just trying to um, get through the 90 minutes. They're used to playing well and they're used to scoring goals and winning now. So I think we could see a little bit of a similar game though. I'm expecting goals at Turf Moor tomorrow. And although I'm not sure Burnley will come away with anything, um, I'm not sure it's going to be the, you know, the age old. Harlan scoring after one minute and then complete dominance. I think we can see we'll see Burnley have a go. Um, I'm excited. I hope I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Can I yeah. uh, can I add something to that fixture, boys? Actually, um, Community Shield was on on Sunday. Uh, midway through the game, Harland was just coming off at the time, and uh, I was in the car and 
had Talksport on listening to the game and uh, the co-commentator, I want to say it was Stuart Pierce. If it wasn't Piercy, I'm sorry, but um, he basically said that Haaland has now gone, I think, nine games without scoring for City and six, six was it? And there was a bit of a question mark about, you know, are people starting to know his game and things like that? Are you fully expecting him to have a brace by half hour tomorrow and go on to get another 30, 40 goals this year? Yeah, so is now a good time to bring up the fact that in, was it January, maybe December time last year, um, it must have been, but maybe, uh, yeah, it would have been just after the World Cup, so Jack, like February, you boys and one of our other friends um, were having a, a deep conversation in a WhatsApp group about how Manchester City were a much better team without Haaland. And you brought up these stats and facts and, and figures and backed up your point. And then look what happened. What? Well, they won the treble. He scored 59 goals, 60 goals. They did. Yeah. He did all right, didn't he? He did all right. No, we weren't yeah. bothered. We weren't, we weren't saying Haaland was a poor player. Um, I didn't say that. Was, huh? I didn't say that, did I? No, but you just said, now look at him. I wouldn't, oh, ha, Haaland's obviously a very good striker, but they've had to evolve and adapt the way they play to make sure that they can utilise him in the best way possible. And at one stage, you've got to remember, Arsenal about 10 points clear at the time. I mean, you can only call it as you see it. Um, I mean, City should have been should have won the treble long before now. They've been brilliant for ages, and it's just sort of transpired it happened this year. And they had those joyous celebrations at the Champions League final where everyone was really enjoying it. And the beers were flowing, and you could see the emotion was really high. No one was thinking, why doesn't this feel quite as good as we thought? But um, yeah, look, maybe got that one wrong, but <laughs> you know they won the treble, so hands up. Possibly yeah. not, possibly not the best um, analysis we've ever given, but it's easy with hindsight, isn't it? Yeah, it always is. Yeah, probably not our worst. Though I'm sure there's been worse shouts in WhatsApp. Um, yeah, so uh, guys, we'll we'll go we'll go through the fixtures then. Um, do it a, a little bit on some of the key ones, but let let's start with that Friday night football uh, score predictions, please. Tomo, I'll go you first because I'm expecting something outrageous from Loro. Yeah, I'm gonna go five two. City. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. I'm going to go 3 0 City, but I do think Burnley will show glimpses. 4 3 City. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, still a big call, but yeah, I'm glad you I've, I'm agreed with City. Right. Uh, then we move into Saturday. Uh, Tomo obviously um, will be glued to his TV for Morgan Gibbs White because lunchtime sees Forrest go to uh, go to Arsenal. Um, Bookie's odds got Arsenal strong favourites about one to five on. You can get six to one about the draw and uh, fourteen to one for Forest to 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 stun Arsenal. I'd say. Um, boys, thoughts on Arsenal this year? I think I've seen Gary Neville's tip them for the Premier League, which is obviously a a big moment um, for Neville because he he was writing Arsenal off most of last season, where every even you know the most staunch City fans must have thought, "Hang on a minute." Um, Big call from Neville. Your boys' thoughts on Arsenal? Well, I mean, I don't know when these podcasts are getting released, but before Gary Neville said that, Loro called Arsenal to win the league as well, um, which people can see the reasons for whenever we get round to putting this on YouTube and Twitter. Um, but thoughts on Arsenal is, I think they look very strong. I think they've added well. Um, they haven't lost any key players. I think they're going to be stronger than last year. 
I think City are going to be, in my opinion, weaker than last year. And I think they're going to go very, very close, um, if not achieve what they wanted to last year and came close to before falling off, which is winning the Premier League. And as for the fixture against Nottingham Forest, I think that's the biggest banker home win of the season, 2-0. Yeah, agree. I'll go, but I think they'll they'll walk it. 4-1, Morgan Gibbs-White. <laughs> Consolation. Love it. I'm going to go 3-0 to Arsenal, and I think they'll look really good as well. I think Saka get off the mark. Uh, maybe with a brace early. Um, cool. So all agreed with Arsenal boys. So move into the afternoon fixtures. Um, we've spoken a bit about West Ham and the transfers they're looking to do. Not sure if any of them will be in the starting lineup for as soon as Saturday, maybe Alvarez, but uh, they go away to Bournemouth. Bournemouth have just signed Alex Scott from Bristol City for 20 mil, who Tomo called a fullback on social media, um, thinking that it was Alex Scott, the female ex uh, England lioness. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, 20 a big million for a 40 year old woman <laughs> yeah a big, a, big, a big sign in for uh, for um, Bournemouth there uh, thoughts on that game boys maybe we can just go straight to result and scoreline unless there's anything you want to add particular I, fa- I just fancy Bournemouth I'm, I'm, I'm going to go like you say that the new signings won't won't play and or won't be through the door just yet so yeah, I think Bournemouth one or two nil, one or two one. Yeah, I, I don't fancy Bournemouth, um, but I don't fancy West Ham either. I'll go one all. Yeah, um, I am going to go for score draw there as well. I'll join you with one all. Um, but actually, I do. I know it didn't work out United. I do like Moisey, and I would like to see West Ham do better in the Prem this year than they did. So hopefully, they can get a result. Um, and then. I guess this is the beauty of the FPL, right, is a game that I would have such little interest in. Uh, I've now got quite a vested interest in because Brighton hosts Luton. Uh, Luton, obviously, their first game up in the Premier League. But um, without giving too much away, Brighton, I think, have got three green two fixtures uh, on FPL. Um, I'm sure a few people would have done this. I'm not sure it's going to be a some some form of wizardry for me, but I've uh, I've tripled up on Brighton in my FPL given their fixtures. So uh, interested to to see if they're as strong as they were last year. Um, we'll obviously see if Sacedo's playing, whether he's not playing. I, I think he missed training, Denny, so maybe he won't be. But I think Luton will get off to the worst possible start and will lose 4-5-0 there. So that's my prediction. But boys, thoughts on that fixture and anything for your FPL that, that you want to share? Yeah, I agree. I think it would be a resounding Brighton win. I'm looking forward to Evan Ferguson this year. Um, I'll say now he's in my FPL. I think six million could be a snip. Um, I think he looks like a really, really good player. And when they signed him, as always with Brighton, you think to yourself, what was it about his three appearances and zero goals for Shamrock Rovers that made you think he's going to be your new number nine? But he looks a right handful. Um, I've seen interviews with him as well. I like the way he speaks and carries himself. I think he's going to be a big player for them this year. And I'm banking on him to score a couple at the weekend. Hopefully he'll play. Um, I know Danny Welbeck's highly thought of there as well. And they've also signed Gel Pedro from Reading. No, from Watford, um, who's another good price on FBR, actually. Um, so... You know, they're a good team, aren't they, Brighton? I don't think Luton will be expecting to come away with too much from that one. 
Yeah, not much to add. Brighton win. Comfortable. Um, I know we've covered transfers, Tomo, but um, Laurie just mentioned about Evan Ferguson there. United spent 70 mil on Hodgland. We obviously spoke about Ferguson last year. I think Laurie might have said at one stage he fancies him to go on to to have a big club. Do you think any anything in that for United could have had a look at that sort of money for Ferguson? Would Brighton have turned it down for that much and just been like, we're not interested? Any thoughts on, on him as a, a future star? Um, well, I just don't think he was on the market, basically. Simple as that. He's just signed a new deal with Brighton. I think, obviously, the difference with this Hoyland guy is that his agent and him have, have said they want to they want to leave, and etc., etc. Um, Evan Ferguson, I agree with everything Loro said. He, he looks class. He, he had a couple of injury issues, which obviously always worried about with youngsters. Um, but, yeah, at £6 million on FPL, you've always got to keep an eye on that. And... Um, and Brighton are great. Deserby, good attacking team. So, yeah, I certainly have some Brighton assets in my FPL. Yeah, I I think at six mil, you're going to see a lot of people's front three be Ferguson as third striker, um, unless they're really scrimping about for money. Uh, Harland as the main man, and then there's going to be like an eight million pound middleman there, which might be might have been Jesus before his injury. Ollie Watkins, Watkins. about that price, yeah. yeah. So be uh, I think there'll be a few similar strike forces there. Um, a couple of fixtures which we'll um, unless unless any of you are, are precious about speaking about and we'll skirt over quite quickly because FPL and in regards to the fixtures, I don't I don't think there'll be too many players about uh, Everton Fulham thoughts on that fixture score lines, score draw, shite. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Everton home advantage there will will come through. I think they might win that two one. The only thing I would say, Laura, is we've obviously got our bet uh, that will go out on a, a pod about the f- you you having Fulham over Brighton, uh, Bournemouth, no, sorry, Bournemouth, and um, me having United over Arsenal with Mitrovic and Silver staying and Arsenal looking how they have. I could be banging trouble there, but uh, yeah, I'll I'll go score draw as well. I think Mitro might score and kiss the Fulham badge off something ridiculous like that. Uh, worst worst fixture of the weekend: Sheffield United v Crystal Palace. So that will now be four all. But uh, any thoughts on that fixture? I'm guessing the only thing from an FPL might be a cheap defender, or some people might have Eze in their team. Look, well, yeah, I've got Eze, but just one player I do I am really excited to to watch this season for Palace will be Lewis Hall because he's joining on Is loan. He gone? He's joining on loan from Chelsea. Yeah, it's not done yet, but it will be. And I think. Whenever he played for Chelsea last year, I was really impressed with him. Um, so, so was I. Yeah, and I just think it, it'll be like a Palace stalwart, basically. He'll play every minute of every game. Where? Uh, Left back or centre mid? Yeah, that's the thing. You just well, That's what I'm interested to find out because obviously he was a centre mid in his younger days, but then played left back at Chelsea. Um, but that was basically because Cucurella was shit and Chilwell was injured. So... Um, he's just he's just one to look look for I'm, I'm really looking I'm really looking forward to watching him play um but yeah like you say shit fixture nil nil <laughs> Lauro what Sheffield United Palace have you done your score um 3-1 Palace cool um yeah be Lewis all interested uh Tomo I was just going to ask you actually 
is Tyrek Mitchell still there? Has he been? Is he playing? He'll play left back there as well, won't he? So I think Hall might be midfield if he's still about Mitchell, but none of us care, do we? So uh, <laughs> evening kickoff, half five, uh, two. I think you know decent, decent teams. Um, I th- actually think that these might finish either side of each other. I'm just not quite sure on the order yet. Newcastle hosts Aston Villa. Obviously, we got a uh, close friend of ours in uh, in the group chat who's a massive Newcastle fan who's been waxing lyrical about them in pre-season uh, and what they're going to do. But Villa look like they've recruited well. Um, Tielemans seems to have lost two stone, get motivated again and looks class. Diaby's being spoken about highly. Fancy Watkins to have a good one. So I can't call that game. So I'll let you boys go first. Villa are four to one. Um, I, like, I like that. Win that. Yeah, I, like I just that. like. I'm not sure who I think is going. Like you say, it's an even one. Two good sides manage well. Good players, and I think you're right. They'll both be probably in and around sixth to eighth, won't they? Um, I, look, I'll probably go home win just at St James's Park, one nil Newcastle. But four to one is got to be the best prize of the weekend, I think, because that could go either way that game. Yeah, I just I like Watkins. He obviously he done wonders against uh, Newcastle last year. Do you remember? Um, that was one of the performances of the season, wasn't it? Yeah, he was unreal, and and he's obviously yeah. he's he's carried on his sort of end of season form through to the preseason. He just looks like a completely different player under Unai Emery than he did under Gerard. Gerard sort of was um and R in between picking him and Ings, and I think Emery's just come in and gone, yeah, you're my main guy. Um, you're going to do it for me. And he has done it for him. So I think at 8 million, he'll be in basically, well, he'll be in a lot of FPL teams and I think he'll repay repay their their faith in him. Great fit, great opening fixture. Um, but yeah, problem, it's just tough to call that one. But yeah, I like Villa, so I'll go Villa 2-1. Uh, I will round it off with draw then. I'll go two all. So we've covered all bases there. So some real insight for the listeners about who to back there. Um, I have got FPL interest in that. I've got Watkins in my side. I've also got Trippier, who I think will uh, feature in quite a few, even though I think he's had a bit of a price rise. as He's 6.5 now. Um, but uh, interesting that they've signed Livramento. Um, I know a player that's been spoken about in our WhatsApp and thought of highly. Um I know I've always seen him as a right back, but um, been told that he plays left back as well. So might be Dan Byrne gets less game time because uh, I'm not sure that Trippier will be anything other than an ever-present when fit. But they've got Champs League as well now, haven't they? So maybe they need to manage workloads. So he might turn into a bit of a frustrating one, Trippier on FPL. Uh, Moving on to Sunday, chaps. So um, we've got Brentford hosting Tottenham. Brentford, obviously, Ivan Tony-less for a while. Spurs have got Harry Kane um, sort of transfer bits happening. So wait to see if he's playing. But um, if he is, you both fancy in Spurs to get off to a good start at Brentford? Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm going big on Spurs at the weekend. I'm backing my man, Big Ange, who I think is going to guide them to a, a very successful season. Kane will be there. Son will be there. Madison will be there. Kudazeski will be there. I noticed they signed that, is it Manos Solomon that had a spell at Fulham last year that looked a player as well? That went under the radar. Um, and I think Brentford's um, low-key might struggle this year. I'm going Spurs 
Five nil. Oh wow. Tom uh, Yeah, I I I see it a bit tighter than that, but yeah, I fancy Spurs. Um we'll give it we'll give it two one. Cool. I am gonna go Spurs win. Brentford uh winless in pre-season. Um drew with Lille, Villa and Boreham Wood uh, and lost to Fulham and Brighton. Um I think they might just have a slight dip. I don't think they'll be anywhere near going down, but they've obviously had some good good um starts in the Premier League since they came up. I think they'll be bottom half. Um and yeah, I fancy Spurs there. And then probably the biggest game of the weekend, uh Chelsea Liverpool, the Sosedo Lavia will probably be in attendance, not just seeing which team they're gonna go to. But um I again I struggle with this fixture. I I'm not sure on Liverpool defensively, but I'm not sure on Chelsea overall. Um I don't know where to go with this one, but I will I'll make a prediction that I think Liverpool are going to win away at Chelsea and get off to a good start, um, but be really tight. I don't agree with that. I fancy Chelsea. I just think they've looked... Pochettino's made a good start um, in pre-season. Mudrick's looked sharp. Um, Nico Jackson looks like a hand, like a proper handful. I, I predict them to beat Liverpool at the weekends. We'll go 2-1. Liverpool 3-2. Okay. And FPL wise, guys, I know obviously we're in our own mini league, so uh, it's cards a bit tight to the chest. But any interest in that Chelsea Liverpool game? Big, big teams, but I don't think that many players will be in there. Um, I think Haaland means that Salah ownership goes down. Um, Trent. Yeah, Trent. Yeah, Trent's a good big one. Um, I've got I've got one from each side, actually. I've got a Chelsea defender, uh, which is really hard to work out. Uh, and I've got a um not Reese James. Huh? Well the new, Reece... club, the new club captain. <laughs> not Reese James. Oh uh. Well you're just gonna end up transfer transferring out after a couple of weeks because he'd be injured. No. He'll get he'll get an assist against Liverpool or albeit in defeat. They then got West Ham and Luton, been made club captain. He'll be doing it for his sister as well, who's obviously just uh blown the World Cup for England nearly. So he'll be, you know, points approved for her. So yeah, looking forward to to following Jammer this year. Uh, and then I've got a Chelsea forward in there as well. Um, I think I made an outlandish statement on one of the last pods about Darwin Nunes having a good season. Uh, it's not him, but that's your lot on who it is. Um, cool. So, and then uh, the, the game that obviously I'm looking forward to most as a United fan, um, screams of a home win. Uh, United made some some good sign-ins. We're going to have Mount and Onana in the team. Uh, I think Wolves got described on this pod earlier as rudderless, um, but they've lost their uh, established manager um, pretty much on the eve of, of the Premier League starting. And Gary O'Neill came in fairly sharply, which makes it sound like that was done anyway. But I fancy United. I fancy him to win quite handsomely and make a bit of a statement on Monday Night Football. Uh, I'm going to go... 4-0 United, Rashford to get a brace. Uh, Lauro, come to you first on that. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a, com- a comfortable Man United win. W- very worrying for Wolves. Um, lost Neves, lost Jimenez, lost Nathan Collins. Um, a little bit of a downward trajectory there. But Gary O'Neill worked wonders with Bournemouth last year, so all is not lost, but I don't see them coming away from Old Trafford with anything. Yeah. yeah, agree. My 
my prediction in the earlier podcast about Wolves going down and my reasoning for that was that Lopetegui would leave. Um, has obviously come true way before I thought it would be. Um, so, yeah, they'll struggle. United win 4-0. Rashford hat-trick. He's in, everyone else's, he's in everyone's fantasy team. So, yeah. Do you know what? I was thinking he will be in everyone's fantasy team, but his his price jumped up chronic, didn't he? He obviously had a couple seasons with his back and shoulder injuries where he was, wasn't was scoring many. I think last year, did he start off at 6.5 and almost became like irresistible? I think he's 9 mil this year, isn't he? So a bit of a... Still a good price. Yeah, yeah, but bit of a bit of a step up. So I, I'm sure he will be in everyone's team. But as soon as he goes uh, a couple games without without scoring, I think that's where people will start to get rid of him rather than just keeping him because of how cheap he was. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if people hold him or, or get rid of him. Um, and then just a final point, boys, which is ju- just came to my mind before before we wrap up, is I had Ramsdale as my keeper in FPL, but I've now changed that and I've changed that Pickford. of no I've not gone Pickford actually uh but I've I got rid of Ramsdale I'm sure he is Arsenal's number one and I'm very sure that he is going to start every Prem game but I am I can't get my head around the the Raya transfer from from any angle I I can't see it I'm just interested to hear your boys thoughts on that transfer and if you think Raya's coming with a bit of arrogance about him, which is obviously a good thing, where he's thinking, now I'm going to come and displace him and be number one at Arsenal. Just get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that would be David Raya's mindset. I, the angle I see on it is I think Mikel Arteta is trying to be a bit of a maverick again. And no one's ever done the two number ones before, have they? Maybe he's trying to revolutionise things a little bit, whereby Ramsey plays in fixtures that suit him and David Raya the other. I don't know, but I, I don't know if there's any other explanation to go and spend... What's the price tag on David Raya? No, it's three million loan fee and then 27 million option to buy next summer. Um, yeah, I, unless... unless the, to explain. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. David Raya, unless... I can't imagine him wanting to go to, to play number two and not like play 10 games a season. So... Arteta must have said that that's, that spot is up for grabs. and it, like, Ramsdale's just signed a new contract. Yeah, it's a strange one, but I mean, we'll see what happens. I, but yeah, you are right, Murph. I would suggest holding out on playing an Arsenal goalkeeper on FPL for the time being. Do you, do you, another thing as well, Raya last year made a couple of appearances for Spain. He started going in goal. There's a major tournament next year. If he's he can't he can't be going there thinking I'm sitting on the bench for Arsenal and you know happy to be Ramsdale's understudy. So I, I'm I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Although I did see I know stats can be uh, divided up how you want the uh, story to look, but I did see a bit of a pictograph where his stats look superior to Ramsdale in in quite a few areas. So yeah, be interested with that. But boys, we have to wrap up there. Um, bit of a longer episode tonight. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, Back next week, review our Premier League predictions. No doubt we'd have made some howlers, uh, probably got a few right, and there'll be more transfer stories to pick up on, and we'll see see what's happened with Harry Kane. But thanks all for listening. Speak to you all soon.